You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul and start again. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as usual by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Bucks lose to the Cowboys 27 to 20, uh, thanks in large part to a offensive line that is too inept to do anything without causing penalties, uh, an offense that turned the ball over twice, resulting in 14 Dallas Cowboys points, and uh, apparently an inability to read a play clock, whether you are the quarterback or the head coach. So with all of that said, David, Merry early Christmas, buddy. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too. I I appreciate the the happiness. Well, you know, we got to talk about something happy because in a game that the Buccaneers essentially controlled, They played better than the Cowboys offensively. They played better than the Cowboys defensively. Yet, they still come up short on the scoreboard because of turnovers and penalties. It's just, it's infuriating. You know, they march all the way down the field. Surprise, surprise, there's a holding call on Caleb Beninock. They have to settle for a field goal. They're marching down the field again. Surprise, surprise. There's a holding call on Ryan Jensen. There were blocks in the back. There, Jameis got called for an illegal block in the back that wasn't even a block in the back. I was shocked that Troy Aikman actually said that it was a bad call because, man, I don't watch Joe Buck and Troy Aikman very often. I do like Joe Buck. I, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. hate on him. I actually do like him. I was excited that we weren't having to listen to Tom Brenneman. Um but man, Troy Aikman is just the biggest Cowboys homer there is. It's rather infuriating because every call against uh, Dallas was wrong, and you know every every play there was a missed call against Dallas. It was it was frustrating. But you talk about shooting yourself in the foot. You know the Bucks had every opportunity to win this game. They outplayed the Cowboys, and yet the Cowboys become the second team in three weeks to clinch the division with a win over the Bucks. Right. I mean, it's exactly what you said, and it's it's really all year long. And Greg Allman sent a tweet out during the game that had a bunch of uh, drive recap information on it. And I believe it, it even went out before that nine minute drive that ended with no points. It, it's just it's just been the Buccaneers M.O. all season. It's been the Buccaneers M.O. for the last three years. Um, I mean, you, you we can all say what we want to say at, at the end of the day. uh the, the team's just not getting it done. And if it, if it's a player situation, then the people who are responsible for putting the players in position or getting them ready or enforcing their standards or bringing them to the team in general, um, have got to figure something out or else ownership has got to figure out a new path to, to move forward. And, you know, obviously that's an answer we're going to get very soon, but this is just another game on a long list of games that you can go back to in reference to say why this is just not working. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another situation where 
thanks to, you know, ineptitudes, the Cowboys got 14 points off turnovers. The Buccaneers did not get a turnover. They did pop the ball. Uh, it was uh, uh, Carlton Davis did a great job of, of punching the ball out of Zeke's arms. Uh, Nassib jumped on top of it, but then I couldn't tell who the Cowboys player was. He actually was able to kind of push the ball out from under Nassib, and another Cowboy came from behind and was able to scoop it up, and they recovered. But the Bucks lose the turnover battle 2 to nothing. 14 points off turnovers. There's the difference in the game. You take away a scoop and score and then a an awful fumble by Bobo Wilson that was recovered and taken back down to the three yard line. You know, that's a, that's a 20 to 13 win for the bucks. You know, we're, we're talking about a very different game at that point. And instead, yeah, it was, it was absolutely awful. Grimes was the, the ire of some of my tweets today from the bucks nation account, because he's just awful, just awful. I'm so glad he's going to be gone next year. And I know you and I were both kind of excited he was coming back because he did play well last year. But this year, he's mailed it in. All he's doing is collecting a paycheck so that you know Miko can do whatever she wants with her podcast or her Instagram or whatever. He, he literally, literally, David, high-fived Ezekiel Elliott as he was running for a 13-yard game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was extremely excited when when Brent Grimes came back. I, I went on record on the podcast during the offseason saying that Brent Grimes coming back or not might be one of the biggest influencers of the season. And uh, unfortunately, it seems like I was right and just not in the way that I thought I would be right about it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a, he's another one. Um, and again, it's just it's just kind of the whole thing with the season. And we were just talking about this before we started recording. But it, there, there's many different levels to why this team has has failed to find success. And the defense has done better over the last few weeks. And I said it in our preview episode that I was looking at the defense spe- uh, specifically in this game. They did a great job. I'm, I'm very happy with how the defense did as a whole. Now, certain members of the defense didn't do all that great. And Brent Grimes is one of them, uh, especially that touchdown pass to Michael Gallup. I mean... I like Max, Michael Gallup. I think he's got a lot of talent and potential for the future, but there's no way Michael Gallup should be getting that kind of space on a veteran cornerback court, who is supposed to have built his career on winning with his brain because he doesn't have the physical attributes necessary to win with just athleticism. And that's Brent Grimes. You know, uh, his entire career has been built on being smarter and scrappier than his opponent. How are you getting beat by Michael Gallup? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, at this point in Gallup's career, it's just it shouldn't be happening. And then you go on the offensive side of the ball, and, and this is what I, you know we were just talking about. I took a little bit of flack on Twitter and, and was called a Winston hater, which is just comical because you and I both have been called Winston homers and Winston haters and and whatever. <laughs> Guys, listen. At, at the end of the day, bottom line, okay. I don't I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. But we're pretty good friends with Brent. We know Ren pretty well. We know the guys over at uh, what is it, all things Bucks. Mean a lot. I don't know any just straight up one sided people in in this business and in Bucks podcasting fringe media. Scott Smith is as honest as he can be. Carmen is on, is an honest broker. Greg is an honest broker. I mean, a- across the board, for the most part, okay, none of us are just one side or the other. Just we either hate James or love James. Okay. Bottom line is this me personally in football theology, right? And I've said this before. I've actually written about it before. If my quarter, I want my quarterback to drop back, get through your progressions. If your progressions are showing you nothing or the pocket is collapsing, I want you attacking the line of scrimmage. As you're attacking the line of scrimmage, I want your eyes downfield to look for something developing or coming open. 
But I, what I don't want from a quarterback is for you to then turn vertical and sit at the line of scrimmage waiting for something to happen, right? So when that happens and, and disaster strikes, that's when I write the quarterback held the ball too long. This does not mean nobody else on the field of play did anything bad. This does not mean Jameis Winston's the only person responsible for the bad thing that just happened. This means I have 180 characters and I chose because of my football theology not to beat the dead horse, which is Donovan Smith is not a good left tackle in the National Football League, and talk about how I disliked how Jameis Winston attacked the line of scrimmage, got to the line, running, throwing the ball away, finding someone to throw to, or going down at the line to avoid contact, decided instead to do nothing. Because I've got this mantra that everybody who works for me has heard way too many times to care about, and it's doing nothing is never the right answer. Well, in that in that football sense, to me, the quarterback attacked the line of scrimmage, and then when he got there, decided I'm going to do nothing. What happened is we're going to do something. Donovan Smith said, "I'm also going to do nothing," and a football happened. And Jalen Smith, who unfortunately is actually one of my favorite linebackers in the NFL, made a really good play uh, and and turned it into a touchdown. But folks, it doesn't mean I hate James Winston. It doesn't mean that I don't think Donovan Smith didn't mess up. It's okay, ladies and gentlemen, for more than one person to have messed up on a given play. It, it's 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 allowed. Uh, it's actually even likely, I would I would argue, that when bad things happen, more than one person probably made a mistake. Yeah, I, and and you and I have have kind of as as you said, we we discussed it uh, before we started recording. You and I kind of disagree on that play a little bit. You saw it one way, I saw it another way. Yes, but, and James, he, that's okay. I still love you, right. and we will do this podcast together. So please <laughs> give your opinion, which differs from mine, and I will not hate you for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, we both saw it two different ways and and neither one of us has obviously gone back and and rewatched and and maybe once you go back and rewatch you'll say you know what I think James was right or maybe I'll watch and I'll say you know what I think David was right but it's it's 4:35 in the afternoon the game literally just ended a half an hour ago we're we're sitting down to record this because you have christmas stuff going on i have to go to bed in an hour and a half because i have to be up at one o'clock in the morning to go to work so that i can do my christmas stuff with my in-laws tomorrow so it's one of those things that you're you're in the moment you're sitting there and you're seeing stuff one way on a television broadcast you can't break down everything you you know, whether you're doing it from your personal Twitter or I'm doing it from the Bucks Nation Twitter account, you know, we're in the moment, we're we're reacting to what we're seeing, and we haven't had time to go back and break down and rewatch what actually happened. When we do, then sometimes our opinions change, and that's okay. But you know, we're you know, we're, now we're you're doing flopping James and blocking you on Twitter. Oh, Twitter. how dare you! How dare you? Well, you know, speaking of people that are going to block us on Twitter, uh, I know we have a very interesting voicemail, but before we get to that, uh, of course, one of the hot topics on Twitter today was, as it's been for the past month and a half, is fire Dirk Cutter. Then there's the Winston is worthless. I'd rather have Flacco crowd. And it just, it's a giant mess. But if you're the kind of person that you decided to take someone's misery and turn it into a profit into your bank account, I'll bet you could go visit our buddies and bet on whether or not Dirk Cutter gets fired on New Year's Eve with our friends at MyBookie. Because sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games or the firings, just kind of throwing that out there. 
Guys, you've heard us talking about this for weeks, and, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little, win a lot, like playing numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn 100 into $600. There's so much to bet on college basketball and football, the NBA, NHL. Be happy, Bucks fans, because if you're a Bucks fan, chances are you know, you're probably a Bolts fan if you follow hockey. And oh my God, they're so good. You can do custom prop bets. You can bet on esports. You can bet on reality television, which I may start watching instead of Bucks games just because it, it'll probably give me less stress. You know, you name it, you can bet on it at my bookie because they are the one bet that we know you're going to be happy with all year long. We recommend these guys because we trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They have great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. Sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and direct message. Not to mention, they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season alone. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year, and college bowl season is here. So many bets to be had. You have to get in on some of this action. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code Locked On and get a 50% deposit bonus. You deposit $100, they're going to give you an extra $50. You want to deposit $500, they are going to give you $250. It's that simple. That's promo code Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You play, you win, you get paid. David, why don't we hear from our good buddy, Garico? This is Rico with a quick hit. Three ways to get yourself fired. One, get caught on tape saying some racist stuff. Two, be sexually explicit towards your employees, female employees, and they get tired of it, and they finally say, you know what, you got to go. And the third way, do whatever Dirk Cutter is doing. All right, guys, talk to you later. Grico, appreciate the call, buddy. I, uh, I, I did thoroughly enjoy that voicemail. And, and David, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit, a little, a mini rant. We're going to do a mini rant here. Go for it. <laughs> uh, because I was having this debate with my dad, uh, as, as I was watching the game. And he put the the play clock problems, the delay of games, even though, you know, and that was one, one time that Troy Aikman went off about how Dallas got hosed on a call. And in reality, I, I do think that they were hosed on that defensive delay of game. But three delay of, well, two delay of games on one drive should have been three delay of games is inexcusable. And, and my dad was pinning it solely on the shoulders of Jameis. Here's my stance on it. Jameis Winston, for all the good that he does, for all the bad that he does, he has to be more aware. He has to know what the play clock is. That's on him. And when it's winding down and it's that close, especially on a fourth and one, you have to be able to call timeout. Now, Dirk Cutter is the most self-unaware head coach in all of football because you can watch any game on any Sunday. It doesn't matter who it is. At some point, there will be a play clock that gets down to two seconds, one second, and the quarterback doesn't realize it. And what does 
every other head coach, 31 NFL head coaches, all of them do the same thing. Sprint as fast as they can to the nearest official, screaming at the top of their lungs, timeout, timeout, timeout. Dirk Cutter did not. Three different times. That's not solely on him, and it's not solely on Jameis. Neither one of them had the awareness that they needed in that situation, not to mention that there was a delay of game earlier in the game. So that was three total delay of games, should have been four. It's inexcusable, but I'm not going to pin it solely on Jameis Winston. Dirk Cutter is the last line of defense when it comes to that kind of situation. He has to be aware of what's going on. Not only that, but the play calls are not getting in fast enough. They weren't breaking the huddle until there was only nine or eight seconds left on the play clock to begin with. You can't get your motions in. You can't get your reads in. You can't do anything with that little of time left. And what just really set me off, you know, to to go along with Grico's point, do whatever Dirk Cutter is doing. This tweet just popped up. From Jenna Lane, Dirk Cutter's post-game press conference. This is his reasoning for not calling a timeout on fourth and one from the two-yard line and taking the delay of game penalty. I quote, I did not think about a timeout and I saw the clock. We were going to throw it anyway. I just didn't know about using the timeout and sometimes being back further gives you more route options anyway. So I thought we were going to get the ball snapped. That that's that's his quote. We were going to throw the ball anyway, so I took a delay of game on fourth and one. Guess what? Your offensive line is crap. So there was no protection. There were no open receivers, and Winston had to scramble and came up short. You saw the clock, but decided to take the penalty because you were throwing anyway. Now, just for the sake of argument, let's say the play call was the same at fourth and one as it was on fourth and six. What happened on that fourth and six? Jameis scrambled for about five yards and two feet. So if you make that same play call and the same thing happens, the pressure gets to Jameis. He has to escape the pocket. There's nobody open. Guess what he's running into? The freaking end zone. Once again, no self-awareness. I'm going to take a five-yard penalty from the two-yard line to give me more options? It's the most moronic thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a Mox Knicks way of looking at it where uh where Dirk is basically saying it doesn't matter if if you're on the one or on the sixth we're we're gonna we're gonna do the same thing either way I don't know man if you're if you're running the same play from the one from the one that you ran from the six you have a problem there anyway because it's it's obviously not the same situation you're not going to face the same defensive front or alignment um and that's yeah I mean that's frustrating but Explain the other two because I'm with you there. I mean, like the defensive uh, delay a game. Like I was happy to to for the Buccaneers to take it and get it and all that, but there was nothing there. Troy Aikman was was 100 correct on that call. He was. But this isn't even the first time we've seen Dirk kind of take a nonchalant, less than 
enthusiastic uh, or dedicated approach towards something that he was asked about. I mean, how many times have we heard heard him say that he doesn't know the answer to what's going wrong with the team? Well, you're the head coach, man. I mean, if you don't know or at least don't have an idea of what of what to do or to do something, again, doing nothing is is not going to be the answer. Uh, then, then you know the whole franchise is, is is in jeopardy, and I think that's why we've gotten to the point where we are now. Where uh, other than you know your uh, outlier Ian Rapport reports, your for the most part, everybody just pretty much assumes that Dirk Cutter is going to be on the market next year. And this kind of reminds me of something we go, you know, I, I, doing my undergrad work uh, at Arizona State. We we had a, a lecture about society and, and and all that stuff. And our society, and we're not the only ones, but our society. We, we do something we're called, we promote to incompetence, right? And, and you see it in all lines of work where someone's really good at this level, so let's bump you up to the next level. And you're really good at that level, so we're going to bump you up another level. You suck at that level, so that's what we're going to keep you. Uh, <laughs> and, and it just doesn't make any sense. And listen, Dirt Cutter might be excuse me, 32 offensive minds in the country. That, that's quite possible which means he should be an offensive coordinator. I, I happen to not think that he's probably one of the top 32 offensive minds in the country, I would agree. Um, but that's my opinion. The problem the Buccaneers are having and the problem that the Buccaneers have had is that Dirk Cutter is not one of the top 32 head coaches in the country. And being a head coach and being a coordinator are two totally different things. And this is kind of one of the problems we've had with Coach Cutter since he took over is he was overly focused on being the offensive coordinator and it took away from his ability to be a head coach. And even since he's turned over play calling, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if him and Todd are talking on the headset before they call in a play, and that's why the play call is coming in so late or something. But Jameis has never been a guy that you wanted. It's one or the other. You either need to give him as much time on the clock as possible to get to the line and go through his checks and go through his reads and all that stuff and get ready to play, or you need to go no huddle. This in the middle crap, which is – we're going to give you the play with 15 seconds left on the clock, get up to the line, get lined up. You got two seconds of snap or else you're in trouble. That's not going to work for Jameis. And I mean, anybody watching Jameis play football from college is going to know that's not going to work. So I don't know what's going on at the booth. I don't know if coach Monk is just, I don't know. Like, is he doubting himself? Is that why he's not getting play calls in quickly? Is our coach cutter and coach Monk and having conversations. And that's why it's, it's, I don't know, man, I don't know what's happening. I think that's it right there in that triad. Yeah, I mean that's what I believe is happening. I mean, but that's un you know uncirc- un unsupported assumptions on my part. You know, just just for everybody's right. record, right? That's why I imagine has probably happened, which is probably why we're getting some of the play calls that we're getting because they just don't make sense and they don't fit what Coach Munkin historically has tried to do going back to his college days. I don't know, man. I don't think Dirk Cutter is a good head coach. I just don't. And that doesn't mean he can't be an offensive coordinator somewhere. It doesn't mean he can't be a quarterback's coach somewhere. And he can make a very good living and have a very successful life and and be a very respectful, respectable professional in the, in the, in the football business. But I think his time as head coach is, is just done. I think it just needs to end. And the Buccaneers need to go find someone who can be a head coach. Like That's why John Harbaugh is so successful and why the Baltimore Ravens, for once, are making a good decision and deciding to keep him. Because he is a special teams coordinator, right, by trade. And I'm sure the guy knows football. He comes from a football family. He's got a football background. I know he knows football. But he's a special teams coordinator. As soon as he became a head coach, he was a head coach. Like, he he is a head coach. He is a leader of an, of an organization, of a football team. 
and he allows his offensive coordinators, defensive coordinator to do their jobs and then so on and so forth. Um, I chronicled in my hard count this last week, some head coaching candidates, obviously Harbaugh was one of them. He's no longer available, but you look at Chris Richard, well, one of the, one of the def- or defense, defense coordinator in Seattle and uh, was assistant defensive coordinator defensive coordinator now in Dallas and yeah he's like the defensive assistant, assistant or something passing game coordinator or something yeah, like that it's it's something weird but he was he was a late hire he was supposed to go work under uh, under McDaniel's in Indianapolis right. yeah and something that Richard has picked up from Pete Carroll because I'll tell you right now man I've said three or four times over the past decade that the CLC Hawks were going to underperform and Pete Carroll and his staff find ways to keep them relevant and keep them in the playoff chase and keep them in, in contention. Chris Richard has been part of that. And even when Earl Thomas wasn't playing at top level, even when Richard Sherman was injured or Bobby Wagner was injured, Cam Chancellor was injured, the Legion of Boom still performed at a high level all the way up until they lost all those guys, right, which was this year. Chris Richard is part of that. It's creativity. It's flexibility. It's the ability to think outside of yourself and – game plan for your opponent. I know that sounds really simple, but some people don't know how to do that. It doesn't appear that Dirk Cutter knows how to do that, or he doesn't know how to foster that within his organization because this team comes out. We've all said it. The Buccaneers come out, and it looks like the Buccaneers' game plan is we're going to play Buccaneers football and beat them doing Buccaneer things instead of we're going to play against the Cowboys and beat them doing things the Cowboys don't play well against. You look at the Colts last week versus the Colts this week. Uh, I know Andrew Luck didn't have a great day. They're totally different approaches to the game, though. Like, and I wrote this about uh, Pete Carmichael from the Saints, right? He's, he's a guy I threw out there as a potential head coaching candidate for the Buccaneers next year. I do like him. The, the New Orleans Saints, some of their best years under Sean Payton and this staff, which Pete Carmichael has been a part of that staff from the beginning, they ran the ball better than they threw it. But most people don't realize that because you had Drew Brees, you had Brandon Cooks, Marcus Colson, Michael Thomas, uh, Jimmy Graham. You had all these passing weapons. So everybody automatically assumes, well, why are the Saints so great? Oh, they got Drew Brees. No, man. Go back to their history. We did. We discussed it on other podcasts. We, it was me, you, and Trevor. I actually discussed this on a podcast a while back. It was, I think it was still walking the plank. The Saints are at their best during this time under Sean Payton when they're running the ball better mm-hmm. than they're throwing the ball. Uh, going back to my hard count, you look at the Saints this year. Seven times Alvin Kamara has failed to reach 100 yards rushing or 100 yards of offense, period. And the Saints have won a game. Seven other times, Drew Brees didn't even throw for 250 yards. And the Saints can do it both ways. They can win with their defense. They have special teams performers. They can win passing. They can win running. They're flexible. That's why Sean Payton's a good head coach. Pete Carmichael grew up on that system. Is he going to be a good head coach? Can he foster that flexible mindset? I don't know. And we're not going to know until he becomes a head coach. Maybe it's in Tampa. Maybe it's in somewhere else. I can tell you right now, he's going to become a head coach somewhere. Not this year, next year. And you're going to find out if he can take that mentality and instill it in other people around him and into his organization. But if he does it and he does it for somebody else, we're all going to be really mad that he does it for somebody else when he could have done it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's why he's on my list. That's why Chris Richard is on my list because these are guys who have come from systems, come from coaches, come from organizations who win in multiple different ways. I don't know, man. And that, and that's the problem I've had with Dirk Cutter from the jump is uh, you know what the Bucs are going to do every week. And if, if us at home, guys, if, if we know what the Bucs are going to do every week, I mean, what do you think an NFL staff is going to do with that? 
Yeah, well, and it, it goes back to you and I talking about Richard as a candidate we liked last year when um, when we thought Cutter was going to be out then. And and the the thing that I'm I, I've been seeing and, and and you've seen that's the same between Dirk Cutter and Lovey Smith is they they force their players into their scheme. They don't scheme to the strength of their players, which is exactly what we saw Richard do with Seattle and, and the Legion of Boom. It's exactly what we see him doing in Dallas. It's exactly what we see Pete Carmichael doing in New Orleans, tag-teaming uh, Kamara and, and Ingram in the running game and hitting you with speed then hitting you with power. And he, he does it because it works, because it's the strength of his players. We don't see that. We see a high-risk offense that is Jameis Winston over the last three seasons under Dirk Cutter as head coach has the highest yards per attempt in the NFL. His passes are going farther than any other quarterback in the NFL. And for a guy who, and I, I, I love Jameis, I do. I still think he's the right quarterback for this team. But for a guy that doesn't always make the best decisions and a guy that does have a knack for trying to force passes in there, i.e. Brett Favre, I think I can put the ball wherever I want, whenever I want, and it doesn't matter who's in my way. That high risk of an offense leads to turnovers. It's exactly what I said earlier. Matt Ryan, under Dirk Cutter, more turnovers than any other years of his career. And Bucks fans may not remember this, but there was a time Spoiler alert, it's while Dirk Cutter was in Atlanta that Falcons fans were screaming that Matt Ryan was a bust and he needed to be chased out of town. Instead, Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter are chased out of town. They come to Tampa and Matt Ryan's an MVP candidate and a Super Bowl quarterback. Yep. Coaching matters. Scheme matters. Awareness matters. They don't need to go get someone that's going to pull double duty. They need someone that is going to bring in guys that know what in the world they're doing, and this head coach trusts them to do their job. And those coordinators hold their coaches accountable, their position coaches, holds them accountable to do their job. And those position coaches, they hold their players accountable to do their job. So help me God, if an offensive line coach doesn't come in here and immediately duct tapes Ryan Jensen's fingers together i'm gonna blow a gasket highest paid center in the league and he leads the league in holding penalties inexcusable so david i think that is going to be it for us i know we're up against the time um wish we were we were leaving things off on a better note i really do because you know for, for David and for myself, we do, from the bottom of our hearts, thank all of you who have been sticking with us all year long. We have really enjoyed doing this podcast for all of you, and, and we wish you all just the most wonderful and enjoyable and safe Christmas holiday. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you enjoy whatever holiday you do celebrate. If you, if you celebrated Hanukkah, I hope it was a fabulous one. Happy holidays to all of you, truly. David and I will not be back together until Friday. However, I will be back on Thursday with our crossover episode with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. We're not recording anything on Christmas Eve. We're not recording anything on Christmas. We're taking those days off. I'm sure you all understand. However, in the meantime, please make sure you're leaving us your voicemails. We are coming up against it. The drawing 
for the autographed Quan Alexander jersey will be one week from Tuesday. Broadcast live on the Locked On Bucks Twitter account. Leave us your voicemails at 813-444-5841. Make sure you're checking out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. I have a fun little uh, uh, Christmas parody column dropping on Christmas morning. Hope you all enjoy that. Uh, make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. One more week. One more week, everyone. It's almost done. Hope you all have a wonderful and very Merry Christmas, and thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked hey, you On Bucks. Better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town Santa Claus is coming to town Santa Claus is coming to town He's making a list, he's checking it Santa Claus is coming to town.